0: No purchase necessary void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, 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 everyone. This is Rob Wolf. Episode number seventy one of Unformettable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded Mets in our beloved franchise's quirky history, because to us, every player who dons the orange and blue is, in some way, unformettable. So we record this as the twenty twenty one season has finally and officially been put in the books for the New York Mets. The competitive portion of the season ended bit sooner than we all hoped and dreamed as Met fans, especially given the first half of the season, and it was pretty clear long before the end that this season would be capped at 162 games for our Mets this season. For some people, this time comes in September, for some at one point or another along the line in October. For some of it, it never comes. Uh, some of us perhaps think like the great Juan Uribe to themselves, more football, Oh, shit. Fucking bullshit. Unfucking fucking believable Baseball. That's what I want to watch. Really one of the great quotes of our times, I think. Very underrated. But as my friend did put it to me the other day, I guess it's officially football season, at least for us Met fans. And I guess if you're a New York sports fan, that's not a happy development at all, even if you do like football. All that's to just say that all this talk of football season got me thinking... Uh, and it was for me an easy target, a uh, low lying fruit as it were, that I thought I would look back at the one brief Mets player who also actually played professional football in the National Football League. Two sport star and well I guess star is a strong term, of course, for unformettable, but two sport professional athlete, shall we say, and former Met DJ Dozier. So William Henry D.J. Dozier Jr. was born on September 21st, 1965 in Norfolk, Virginia. Born in Norfolk, it feels like he was destined to be a Met for a short amount of time. He was a three-sport star at Kempsville High School in Virginia Beach, Virginia, playing football. Baseball and basketball. I often feel like a broken record in these podcasts, looking back at you know when these athletes grew up and always saying yeah they're a great athlete they're a naturally gifted athlete. I mean I guess that makes sense that it's incredibly redundant. Who who else is going to become a professional athlete but someone who is well athletically gifted? I mean I guess I, I think of that idea of specialization and you know, I don't know, like tennis players, you know, having to play tennis from when they're three. I guess that athletic ability could be manifested in another sport. I don't know. I'm going off on quite a tangent here. All this is to say, uh, perhaps it's not an incredib- incredibly newsworthy note that someone who became a professional baseball player was a great athlete, but DJ Dozier was, was a star athlete in all three of these sports in his time as a growing up, and in high school in Virginia. How good was he? Uh, in basketball, he led a youth basketball team to the Virginia Beach City Championship game. His team defeated a team that of which future NBA Hall of Famer David Robinson was a member, although it should be noted that David Robinson missed the championship game with the Mumps. I hope uh, he... And an anti-vax kind of guy, David Robinson, but um, but it was still apparently a star-studded, undefeated team. But uh, without Robinson, DJ Dozier, uh, according to what I read on him, led his team to a the championship over that previously undefeated team uh, in football. Of course, where he was uh, perhaps best known uh, as a professional athlete in the NCAA and the NFL, he was a two-time First team All Tide Water selection at running back was a consensus All American high school football player, and as good as he was in football, by his accounts, DJ Dozier was just as good at baseball. He was drafted out of high school in the 1983 draft in the 18th round by the Detroit Tigers. Although it sounds like a very quintessential, uh, you know, where it was known that he had football scholarships and you know, probably was just a late-round wild swing by the Detroit Tigers to see if he might change his mind, might get talked out of that football commitment. Uh, Maybe they would... I I don't think they offered huge bonuses back then, but maybe there was some way they could buy or convince him out of his football interests and commitments. In recent interviews, after his career was long over, Dozier said that he knew he was a good baseball player, and that if he hadn't gone to college or had had that college interest, uh, there was a good chance he would have been a first-round draft pick in the MLB uh, from his own estimation, or maybe he had been contacted by scouts. I'm not 100% clear on the provenance of that, uh, but that was a direct quote from him. It's not clear how tempted he was at the time, but again, in this interview after his career was over, he said simply, I ended up not playing baseball, but it was always on my mind, and I never stopped thinking about it. And Of course, a prelude to his attempting to make an effort in both professional sports, baseball and football, but he did in fact go on to accept a football scholarship and go on to play football at Penn State University. Dozier had worked out an agreement with Penn State coach Joe Paterno that he could play both baseball and football after playing only football as a freshman, uh, but he never actually got on the baseball diamond in college. After his sophomore football season, he required arthroscopic knee surgery, which caused him to uh, miss the baseball season. And by the time he finished his junior year of football, he, it was pretty clear he was a huge player football prospect, and he thought it would be best to focus on football heading into his senior year. It was a nationally ranked team, and it seemed clear that's where his future lie at that point in time. That senior year was incredibly productive uh, for Dozier, both individually and in a team sense. DJ Dozier would score what would ultimately be the game-winning touchdown in the January 1987 Uh, Fiesta Bowl, uh, which was effectively the national championship game against Miami. Uh, They were trailing 10-7 in the fourth quarter, an interception uh, set them up on the Miami six-yard line, and two plays later, Dozier barreled in with uh, the game-deciding touchdown, uh, which capped a year that, uh, when Dozier starred, he left Penn State as the At that time, the second-leading rusher in the school's history with 3,227 yards. Um, He is currently seventh all-time on Penn State's rushing list. I don't know who they are. I'm not a college football person, despite the direction this is going so far. This is not a football podcast. Uh, All I'm pondering now is uh, whether or not Blair Thomas passed him uh, a couple years later or not, since he was drafted a bit higher. God help me. At any rate, Dozier was a consensus first-team All-American, he was a finalist, though he did not win the Heisman Trophy, and he was selected in the first round of the 1987 NFL draft by the Minnesota Vikings with the 14th pick. Again, don't want to spend too much time dwelling on football, Um, not entirely sure what derailed his football career, I don't didn't hear of any major injuries, but for a first-round pick it didn't seem like he got a ton of chances, and it's uh, it's not like his numbers were terrible. Uh, probably the uh, two, three years into his career, the Vikings' very famous, or for them infamous, trade for Herschel Walker probably didn't help, as uh, that probably removed any chance Dozier might have had to establish himself as a lead running back for the Vikings. Or perhaps, much like Juan Uribe, DJ Dozier just started to realize the superior sport to watch. Uh, For Again, in interviews during those latter couple years with the Vikings, over 88-89, he reminisced that he started to have an overwhelming desire to play baseball again and felt that he missed it. So after three full seasons with the Vikings from 1987 to 1989, still... Seemingly with a bright football future ahead of himself, I think he would have been 24 at that point in time, Uh, Dozier decided to look into whether or not he could rekindle or pursue a career in Major League Baseball. Many people, as you can imagine, thought Dozier was a little bit crazy, including his agent who tried to talk him out of it. Uh, But eventually a call to uh, Dave Rosenfield, who was at the time the GM of the Tidewater Tides, got Dozier a tryout for the Mets, and in 1990, the Mets signed him as an amateur free agent on March 26th of 1990, to be precise, uh, right at the end of spring training. Now, obviously, Dozier's camp thought he was a little crazy. I don't know what the interpretation of the Mets making this signing was. I I remember I was very excited by it. I mean, first of all, 1990, of course, was the tail end of that Mets Near dynasty, uh, I, I, I just hesitate to say era of dominance when, like, of course, they only won the one world championship. But uh, the nineteen ninety myths again, which is hard for me to ever say this about them. I still, I still felt the organization did no well. I can't say no wrong, but did little wrong. You know, there was uh, there were the cracks in the facade. There was the trading Lenny Dykstra and Roger McDowell types of cracks. But it was still a really good team, and. Uh, I kind of was excited that we signed a professional football player. We had our own Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders. Well, DJ Dozier was probably before Deion Sanders, but you know what I mean. Long before Moneyball brought it into the vernacular, and well, I've never understood finances, but it seemed something like some kind of market inefficiency, for lack of a better term. Like, yeah, we're the Mets. We can sign whoever we want. Bring in a Football player. Let's see what happens. I expect if the Mets did it now, it would probably be perceived as a Tebow-like joke. But uh, I don't remember it feeling that way at the time. And you know, again, he was young and had a more of a had a legitimate baseball background and had been drafted. Uh, but I'm sure there were questions about how much he'd play and what not. Uh, you know, what what sport would take priority? Uh, but but Dozier, interestingly, and to his credit, uh, seemed to give priority to baseball over football. He spent ni- 1990 in the minor in the minors with the Mets, and 91, of course, uh, the full minor league season, and had truncated uh, NFL seasons where he just played the latter part of the season once his baseball time was over. And in 1990, uh, granted, he was very old for those leagues at age 24. Uh, But Dozier had a really impressive minor league season, starting out in high A St. Lucie and then eventually moving up to double A Jackson, where actually from what I'm saying on baseball reference, he was about league average age of 24. Uh, But when you add the stats together for those two, uh, at those two stops in 1990, he had an incredible minor league season, uh, Dozier hit 303, uh, 386 on base, 496 slugging percentage, uh, and flashed his speed as well as his power. 16 doubles, 10 triples, 15 homers, and 36 of 42 stealing bases across that minor league season. So, between those numbers and per- perhaps also his athletic pedigree, While DJ Dozier was finishing the 1990 season playing six games, including one start for the Minnesota Vikings, he was also correspondingly being named Baseball America's number 44 prospect on their Top 100 Prospects list, so his debut certainly impressed respectable but not quite as dynamic 1991 season in the minors split between double-A and triple-A, you know, putting up kind of more league average numbers combining for a 787 OPS those stops, as opposed to 882 uh, the previous year, not quite dropping him off Baseball America's top hundred prospect list, but almost dropping him down to 99. And as that announcement or as that list came out, I don't know exactly when these lists come out, but for sake of drama, we're going to pretend they come out during the football season, probably after. But while that list was coming out, DJ Dozier was wrapping up his final professional NFL season in 1991 with the Detroit Lions backing up Barry Sanders, again with the baseball season behind him and presumably needing a little time to get into football shape and learn the playbook. Uh, Dozier appeared in only six games for the Lions and rushed only nine times for 48 yards. Again, probably don't get a lot of action when Barry Sanders is the lead back in his 342 carries for 1,548 yards in that 1991 season. And that brought about an end of DJ Dozier's professional football career, over which, uh, again, not a football podcast, I know, but... uh, you know, just for this one, that he rushed uh, 172 times for 691 yards over his five seasons, which, again, which is a fairly respectable uh, four, four yards per carry average. He re- caught 33 passes, averaging a little over nine yards a catch. Uh, he also did some kick returning, and he even attempted and completed one pass in his NFL career. So at age 26 in 1992, DJ Dozier was ready to turn his career full-time to professional baseball, of course now with an organization that was clearly on the downside and uh, downslope of their good years in 1992. Uh, 91 might have seemed like an aberration, but 92 drove it home. The bad times were back in Queens, but... We did get to have a two-sport athlete uh, on our field for a short amount of time. Dozier came up to the Mets in early May of 1992, making his Major League debut on May 6th against the Cincinnati Reds. He reached on an error in his first plate appearance and scored a run. Two days later, DJ Dozier would record his first career Major League hit in a Dodgers-Mets game at Shea, On May 8th of 1992, Dozier would come into the game in the seventh inning to pinch run for Mackie Sasser, and would stay in the game in left field, and get his third career plate appearance in the bottom of the eighth against none other than Roger McDowell, and grounded a single the other way between first and second to uh, load the bases, McDowell would then walk Todd Hunley to tie the game in the bottom of the eighth, and the Mets would saddle McDowell with not just the blown save, but a loss against his former team in the bottom of the ninth uh, to give the Mets a 4-3 victory, and actually move them to 17-13. and 13. Uh, I can't believe they ever had a record that good in 1992. Ooh, now that I'm looking, they swept the Dodgers that series and went to 19-13, and 13, which looks like that was probably the 1992 high water mark. Doja would not get a lot of playing time though and would struggle. I uh, was looking for uh, probably the best game he had was May 24th when the Mets were in San Francisco taking on the Giants. He went two for four on the day with an RBI in the seventh inning. I'm sorry in the eighth inning, uh, bringing home Bobby Benilla with an RBI single in the top of the eighth in a game perhaps most notable for David Cohn hurling a 10-strikeout shutout to move to 5-2 on the year at the time. Uh, Dozier would actually be sent back down to AAA a couple of days later and not come back up until September. He would get a few more starts in September than he had gotten when he was a call-up in May. He primarily was used as a pinch hitter, pinch runner uh, with the occasional start. Uh, in May, uh, presumably he was up. I'm guessing time frame for someone who was on the DL. And in a slight bit of serendipity, to again the time when we're recording this podcast, in 1992's sad and pointless for the Mets game 162, uh, the Mets took on that year's National League East champion Pittsburgh Pirates in the final game. Much as this year they met the NLA's champion Atlanta Braves, uh, who the Pirates would be going on to play in a very memorable LCS uh, shortly after this game while the Mets were heading home. At any rate, uh, in that game, DJ Dozier pinch hit in the bottom of the ninth with the Mets trailing 2-0 in a game they would lose 2-0, and he flew out to right against Pirates reliever Steve Cook. That would be Dozier's 47th and final at bat as a New York Met, and in professional baseball. In the offseason, the Mets continued their flailing about, whack-a-mole approach to bringing in veterans and trying to maintain or reestablish relevance that the early 90s marked uh, by trading Dozier along with Wally Whitehurst to the San Diego Padres for Tony Fernandez. At some point in 93, Dozier went from the Padres organization to the Cardinals organization, uh, but he never got out of AAA that year in 93. He stayed in AAA for both organizations and wound up, uh, I don't know if he formally retired after that year, but that was his last year in professional baseball. So it was, of course, a brief baseball career. Dozier went 9 for 47 in his major league career, uh, good for a negative 0.2 war according to baseball reference. Uh, he hit 191 with no homers and two RBIs, four runs scored, four stolen bases, a 498 OPS, and a 43 OPS plus. However, in recording even just those numbers, Dozier became one of just seven athletes since 1970 to play in both. Major League Baseball, and the NFL. The others, the aforementioned Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, along with Brian Jordan, Drew Henson, Chad Hutchinson, and Matt Kinzer. Also, according to this article that I read uh, uh, with uh, Dozier's background and career, uh, he was only the second player to go from a football-only career to ultimately segue over to a baseball- only career, and reached the major leagues, and the other was a punter. uh, Andy Tomasic was the name uh, who pitched two innings for the New York Baseball Giants back in 1949. forty has been involved in many non-athletic fields and pursuits since leaving the professional sporting world, both the NFL and Major League Baseball. He's always was a religious man and was Heavily involved in missionary work for a while, he also worked as a financial planner, an investment banker, and as a partner at a cybersecurity firm. And he even wrote a self-help book entitled "Decide to Dominate." He recently turned 56 years old and is still living in and around the Virginia area. And for a very brief time, was our own unformidable to Sports Star. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. I hope you all enjoy the postseason, although there are some sketchy teams in there that are going to make it hard to enjoy. Um, Or you enjoy segueing over to the football season, or whatever your off-season non-Met related pursuits are, whatever and wherever they may be. We'll still be covering the Mets, of course, as my Basketball crazed friend who moved here from Chicago once said, Do you people ever talk about any other sport but baseball? 12 months a year. Baseball, baseball, baseball. He does not share Juan Uribe's opinions, but I do. So we will keep covering your Mets. So please do go to amazonavenue.com for more Mets related content. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please seek out and find this and all of our truly amazing podcasts wherever you get your podcasts or subscribe to them. Um, original Music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at wolfrr, W-O-L-F-F-R-R. And the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, even in the offseason, let's go man.